0: Again, I just say welcome to everyone, welcome to those who are watching online. Um, We have been going through a three-part series on the nature of the church. We've been taking a look at what does it mean to be the church, to live into the church. And today as we look at these scriptures, we first see the gospel lesson that Jesus is praying for the church. He is praying for his disciples. He is praying specific prayers for them to be filled and to be able to go out and to be effective and we see in Corinthians Paul speaking to the Corinthian church about what the church is supposed to be the various different gifts that are operating and so by way of review we talked about first of all the church being God's plan for the hope of the world the church is going to be the vessel of his gospel and of his message that his people filled with the spirit are going to go out to do all the work that He's intended to happen. It's the number one nature of the church. The local church is that expression, and we are the hope of the world. And that there is only one church, unified in the understanding of who Jesus Christ, unified in our understanding of what His death on the cross meant, that it meant forgiveness of sins, it meant an offering to us who are sinners to be forgiven of everything and to receive eternal life. There's one church unified in the message of Jesus Christ. And we are a community of believers. It's not an individual message. It's not a message for anyone to go home and just figure it out by themselves. It's a message for a people to be the people of God. It's a message for us to be the church. And it hinges not on rules and regulations, not on buildings, but on relationships with us and God and with us and one another. So that we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And that we love our neighbors as ourselves. The very nature of the church. And then we talked about the church being a local expression. And that there's many different kinds of local expression in God's creation. I mean, just look at the amount of insects in the world. Every time they go to the Amazon, they're finding three, five new species a day. The diversity of God's creation is immense. And he's saying, that's how I want my church to be. There's going to be lots of different expressions of my church, lived out in many different ways, in different cultures, in different languages, throughout all the parts of the world. And specifically here, we're part of that larger group called the Anglican Church. We're Anglican in our theology, which is orthodox. We're Anglican in our practice, which does that three streams. We really honor the sacred. And just that that opening song. I mean, when you came in here, that just brought me, I knew I was in a sacred space. I mean, that holy, holy, it just sung so well. We, we honor the sacred. We honor Scripture. We're going to read God's Word. We're going to read through Scripture, reflect on it, preach on it. And then we honor the sacraments, which we'll do in a little bit. We have a distinctive flair. It's not the church for everyone, but we believe it's a church that will make a difference. And we feel called to. So it's the specific local church that we're a part of. The third part is this. How do you and I fit into this church as individuals? How do you know that you're part of the church? One of the things that Jesus says in John as he's talking to the religious leaders in John 10, he says, you don't believe, you don't believe me because you're not one of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and know them, and they follow me. And so he's telling the religious leaders of the day, I know you go to the temple. I know you go to the synagogues. I know you practice all these things. You give in charity. You're doing a lot of religious things in your life. But you don't even know my voice. You don't recognize the Son of God, the Messiah. You don't understand that all of Scripture all the prophecies all of the Old Testament all the laws pointing to the fact that God will send a savior and a messiah to save the world and I'm here and you're missing it he's saying almost to the church you guys aren't even in the church you have the outward understanding of the church but inwardly you're dead like whitewashed tombs and you can imagine the listeners at that point asking the question well then who is in the church. I mean, if these guys who have all the cool robes and do all the religious things and have all the titles of priest and all of that, if they're not in the church, how do we know who's really in the church? And so Jesus says this as he establishes the church. He gives it a name. And we talked about that last week. The ecclesia. He says those who are in the church are the ecclesia, those who who have been called out of the world and hear my voice and follow me. Because my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We know that we're in the church because we hear the voice of God. We know that we're in the church and that we're his sheep because we recognize his voice. We recognize his voice apart from the voice of the world, the voice of culture, the voice of the enemy, the voice of selfishness and pride. We hear his voice, and that's how we know we are the church. How are we doing in hearing the voice of God? How do we hear the voice of God? I want to be in God's church. How do I know that I'm hearing the voice of God? Does that mean i got to hear His audible voice every day? That seems a little strange, maybe. What does it mean to hear the voice of God? Well, the church has showed us for the last 2,000 years. It means a lot of different things. But it means this, that we will press into God's Word. Because we think God speaks to His people through His Holy Word, through His Scriptures. We say that everything necessary for salvation is included in Scripture. We say that Scripture has everything that we need All the wisdom, all the things that God's revelation is put down in this one holy book. He's been given to us as a gift. It's the plumb line of our lives. And as we read God's word, we will start to learn to hear his voice. So we read God's word on a regular basis. We try to read God's word every day. And we try to hear his voice. We don't do it out of religious duty. We do it to hear his voice. That we might be the ecclesia, those who've been called out. And if we're called, we have to hear his voice to respond. We do it in the way we pray. We recommend to the church, lead a life of prayer. Jesus recommends it to his disciples. He teaches them how to pray. He says, hey, this, the only way this thing works here is through prayer and fasting. And so through prayer, we silence the world. We stop all the other voices and we speak to God from our heart about our concerns, about our desires, about our shortcomings, about all the things in our heart, and then we pause and then we listen to what he may say to us. Prayer is a two-way deal. And as he spoke to the religious leaders of that day, what he was saying, and this is a paraphrase, you selfish guys, you All you do when you pray is give God a list of all the stuff you want Him to do. You give Him a list of who's good and who's bad, and you're always on the good list. You always tell Him how you want the world to go, and it always favors you. You always avoid suffering, and you call that prayer? You've missed it. You've missed it. Sure, it has religious language. Sure, you're talking to God. But prayer is believing that the veil is torn, the Holy of Holies has been separated, and you can come into the presence of God and he can hear your voice, and that you can hear from him in prayer. That he will stir you, that he will give you clarity, that he will give you guidance, he will give you wisdom, he will give you revelation. James tells us when we go to God and we ask for wisdom, don't be double-minded about it. Don't think, "Ah, I just don't know if he'll do it. I don't know if I deserve it. No, we go in Jesus' name, we ask him for wisdom, and it says that we should expect for him to give it to us. And what is that wisdom? How do we know his wisdom? Other than we hear his voice. Other than we, he spoke to us in prayer and through the reading of scripture. And God speaks to us also through his people. That's why the church is a community. And as we gather together, beforehand, we had a meeting. You know, before we had a finance meeting. Oh, it sounds like, okay, we just had a finance meeting. But it was the group of God's people who've been called out by God to meet, to talk about the finances of the church. And our job was to hear from God in that meeting. And as we all spoke, we encouraged and built one another up and got unity and consensus. Okay, so it's not this special, weird, crazy, we heard from God and, you know, in the finance meeting. We should always want to hear from God in the finance meeting as we gather in his name and we pray. And we ask God to give us that wisdom. And we think that he did. He spoke in that meeting this morning. So we don't have to make it this miraculous, you know, I heard from God. But, no, of course I heard from God. I hear from God every day as I read his word and as I gather around his people and as I pray and as I come to corporate worship and as I sing his praises and as I break bread. Of course I heard from God today. That's my expectation. Now, we have to be careful here because sometimes when someone says, hey, have you heard from God recently? What's my answer going to be? Well, I might be tempted to say, oh, yeah, I have because I heard the sermon. I'm supposed to. And I'm supposed to be a Christian. So, yes, I have. Or we might be tempted to say, to be scared to say, you know what? I really haven't heard from God recently. And often that's my answer. I haven't heard from God recently. And the next question from the community, from someone who loves me is, well, have you been in scripture and prayer? Have you been in corporate worship? You've been? Yeah, I have. I just haven't been hearing his voice. That's okay. That's not like I failed and missed it. Now that's different if you said, hey, Alan, why haven't you heard from God? And I said, well, I honestly don't care. I don't expect to. I don't want to. I don't give any time to it. I don't read his word. I don't go to corporate worship. And I haven't heard from it. Two completely different answers. So hearing from God isn't something you have to drum up and make up. We have to be honest with ourselves. But we have to have that expectation that he's our father. And if He's our Father, not only do we know His voice, but He loves us and He wants to reveal Himself to us. So the nature of the church, the ecclesia, is that we hear from God on a regular basis. The next thing that we know about the church is that Jesus said, here's the people who are going to be in my church. I'm going to give them a name. It's a name called disciples. So I want you to, God, make disciples among all nations. So if you're in my church... You're going to be a lifelong learner. That's the nature of a disciple. You're going to be on an ongoing path. There's a holy word for that called sanctification that says this you've been pulled out of your sin, you've been forgiven, and now you're a piece of work. And God will continue to grow grace in you. He will continue to build you up as you run the rice and fight the fight, and you're going to grow in all your faith day to day, week to week, year to year. It's an ongoing process. I invite you to be disciples and to join me in this process, Jesus says. Because the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to build your character. Your character matters. Character is best expressed when you understand that someone has character, who's a Christian, they exhibit the gifts of the Spirit. They have peace and joy and love and gentleness and kindness and self-control. They, they live their life in a way that has character. And that character gives people hope. It tells us in Romans 5, right? He said, Jesus says this through Romans 5. You're going to suffer in this world. There's no way around it. But that suffering is going to allow you to persevere. And in your perseverance, I'm going to build in you that character. It's important that I build character in you. Because when you have character, it will give you... And others around you a hope. If that guy can have peace and joy and self-control and kindness in the midst of the chaos he's in, that gives me hope. Maybe that's available to me. And so the people of God say, I want to grow in character. How are you growing in character? My wife, I'm not sure if it was his direct or indirect, but on the way here, she said, you know, I think you're apostolic. And I thought, well, that seems like a compliment. And she says, is it true that all apostolic people are impatient? <laughs> yeah, I think they do tend to struggle with that. And so the Lord is working on that in my character, to be patient with the Lord. I get out in front of him. I get in, out in front of everything. I want to go, go, go. I think, shoot, ready, aim. You know, it's just I'm, that's my nature. And so God has to grow me in my patience. Many times, even as an interim in this church, I want to Let's go do this. I just want to get out ahead. And God has to remind me. And he's done that through the leaders and through the vestry. They said, whoa, you're, I think you're pushing too fast. You're going too hard. And i got to rein it in. Because I've I'm, I'm got to grow in my patience. It's, i got to grow in my character. And so I say, Lord, I want to grow in this area. And I get with people. And I get with friends. I get with the community. I get prayer for that. I want to grow in character. How are you growing in character? If you're in the church, he will grow your character. How is he doing it in you? The next thing that we know about disciples, as we read in scripture, is that God has given you gifts. Okay, so if you're going to be in the church, he's going to give you gifts. Because in a second, he's going to give you stuff to do. And before he gives you stuff to do, he's a good father. He's going to give you the gifts to do it. Now, there's all kinds of gifts. We read about it in the lesson. Does everybody have all the gifts? No. But he gives all kinds of gifts. What are the gifts that he has given you? Now, concerning gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were a heathen, you were led astray by dumb idols. But now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of working it out, but it's the same God who inspires them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, and gifts for the common good. What are the gifts that God has given you? And so, the people of God, if we're going to be the church, we're going to know what our gifts are. And it's not this false humility. I don't have any gifts. You know, Other people have gifts. We say, because of who Jesus is, and because of who the Holy Spirit is, because of the nature of the Father, I've been given gifts. And these are what these gifts are. Now, you may need to work on those gifts. You need to practice them, you need to continue to get better at them. A gift that God, that I'm working on is, is in communication. In my job, I have to get in front of people. I have to talk. I'm doing podcasts now, and I did a podcast, and I thought I've done a couple of them, and some of the guys in the Bible study I made listen to, but I realized as I had to listen to them, man, I got to get better at that. I've missed a few things, and when I'm communicating this way, I'm missing A couple of key points. I'm doing some things that are not very helpful and I want to grow in that area so that I'm more effective in my gifting that will build the kingdom. So what are your gifts and how are you growing in that over and over again? If your gift isn't, you know, one of the things I loved about the prayer teams getting together with them is they, you know, they had the gift of hearing from God and praying from people and God uses them in that way. So I always tell people, take advantage, we'll have prayer teams today. But they said, the first thing they wanted me to do when I came in is, could you do a training for us? I mean, these as I went in that room, I asked how many people have been in prayer ministry. And it's like over a hundred years of experience. And they had the right attitude, which said, we want to be trained. We want to grow more. We have questions. We want to continue to grow in our gifts. And so if you're in the church, you grow in your gifting. The next thing is that we are committed to community. If we're in the church, as we've heard over and over, there's one body, there's one church. And then Jesus says, and the new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you may love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you're in my church, if you have love for one another. The way that you're committed to one another will be a message to all men and women across the world that you're my church and that you're Christian's. The way you love one another. See, it's so important. You know why being in a community is hard? Because there's people in it. People like me. People like you. And we're pieces of work. And we, we are not fully formed. And we have issues. And we have conflict. And we have disagreements. And things happen that shouldn't happen. It's the nature of community. But Christians, people who are the ecclesia, say, I'm committed. To the to the community of believers. And we live in America and we live in a consumeristic society. And consumerism, I mean, there's book after book after book, it's not really up for debate, has is so much affected the church that some people think, well, if that church isn't doing what I want, I should leave. If I don't like the people in it, I'm gonna go to a different one. If I don't like this, if I don't like this, and it's a consumer mentality. It's not that those things shouldn't be evaluated. But the church, Christian church says, I've been called by God. I've heard his voice to this community, and I'm going to serve it faithfully. And when things are great, we'll celebrate. When things are bad, we might have to fix some things and straighten some things out. But I'm committed to the community. Because if the world sees you and says this, oh, yeah, I love that church. As long as everything goes my way, as long as all the decisions happen the way I like them, then I'm a part of it. That's not much of a testimony and a witness. But Jesus says this. He says, actually, I mean, anybody will kind of lay down their life even for a friend. But in the Christian church, we're going to be people who will lay down our lives for complete strangers. That's the way we, it's not, oh, I've done that for you because, you know, this quid pro quo. You've helped me out, I'll help you out. No, it's, we're saying the nature of the community. And Jesus says, and I've modeled it. i laid down my life for you. And you were strangers and aliens and you were lost in sin. And I laid down my life for you. I'm committed to this community, Jesus says, of the Ecclesia. And what does he say? I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. He's not a consumeristic God. He's not saying, well, if you do what you're supposed to, if you really start hitting the ball right, if you you get in there and get it going, I'm with you. He says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. He models for us that incredible commitment that will change the world, that will be a witness to the lost world. And finally, if you're in the church, you have a ministry. God, in advance, has prepared good works for you and me to do. This is your ministry. Your ministry is something that you have. And so being part of the church, if someone says, what is your ministry? We need to have an answer. This is what my ministry is. Or it could be, I don't know what my ministry is, but I'm trying to get it figured out. And here's some steps I'm taking to figure out what my ministry is. Now, there's a, I got to clear this confusion up a little bit because we've read about it in Scripture and it talks about both your ministry and service, okay? Service and ministry, okay? They're not the same thing, nor are they mutually exclusive. And so, so what is service, okay? So again, the religious leaders did plenty of service. I mean, they, they had, you give to the poor, they took the money, they gave it to the poor, they did all this, they, they were doing lots of service in the area, I and mean, they were dictated by law to do X amount of service, give X amount of money, do X amount of work, and they would do it, and Jesus wasn't pleased with them, okay? It wasn't that the service was wrong, okay? It's where their heart was. You see, ministry is to a people. Service can be to a people, or service can be, I'm just doing it because I'm trying to look good, or I'm trying to prove something, or I'm trying to convince somebody that I'm a good person. Ministry is always to a people. And so in your service that you're doing, is that directed at a people? Ministry gives you purpose. Ministry gets you up in the morning with excitement. Ministry directs you. But if it's just service alone, like, you know, I've said I've done a lot of church plants. And never have I been called to be a chair setter-upper. Never have I felt gifted to do that but I got to do it every place I'm in because we have to set up chairs because we're in you know storefronts and we're doing stuff for years and years. I get there early, you set chairs up, you do that. It's a service. Now, if I'm doing that service because I think there's a bigger thing to a people, then that service is in alignment with God's work. Today, we're going to have decorate the abbey. It's a service. I'm not gifted in wreath making or anything of the kind. In fact, they may take down everything I put up, but... We're doing this, we say, man, we're doing this as a service, Lord. We're going to take your place, and we want to make it beautiful, and we're going to remind people. And we want, we just, we're getting together as a community to do something. And so sometimes people get confused with service. We need, we need ushers. We need people clicking the computer. We need people who are singing. We need, we, and that service can be a ministry. Or it can be, I'm just doing it to push buttons. So what is your ministry? Who, is, who are the people that you're reaching out to? A lot of times that ministry that you're called to is, hey, man, my ministry right now are my kids at home. Those are the people that I'm ministering to. That's a great answer. I know it. I'm clear on it. Okay? So when someone says, well, hey, I need you to do all this other stuff. It's church work, and it will really look good on your God resume. You say, no, I have a ministry to my kids, and I'm full. I, don't, I can't do a bunch of extra church work right now because this, my ministry with my kids has filled my time. It would steal away from my ministry to do That church work is a good answer because you understand what your ministry is. So, as we know what that ministry is, and sometimes it is bigger and broader to a bigger group of people, you have to know as an individual what your ministry is. So, you do not get guilted into doing acts of service as the Pharisees and the Sadducees did on a regular basis. But you do service because you've been called by God, you heard His voice, you're clear on your gifting. You've been grown in character. The community has come around you and that points to the things that you're called to do. And you live them out in joy and peace and love. This is the nature of the church as individuals. I hope I painted a good picture because here's the gospel. Jesus Christ came and he died on a cross to forgive us from our sins. And in doing so he said, But when I go away, and I have to go away after I die, A, I'm going to be raised from the dead, and I'm going to be seated with my right hand. B, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to fill you, to give you the gifts so that you can hear my voice, be my sheep, know your gifts, and do the good works you've been called to do. And I'm going to send my Holy Spirit so that you have the power and the authority to do it. And my plan is that all men and women be saved. That is my desire, God says, and you are my people to do it. In this day, in 2021, in November, in the Pauli's Island, I've chosen you to be the church. Come on in. Join the adventure. The gospel is true. Amen.